0: News Network. A toddler slips through the
1: fence and the Secret Service shuts down the White House. When seriously did the leader of the free world begin to fear three-year-olds? More to the point, is this going to become a trend? Well, Mark Twain did say that diapers and politicians should be changed frequently and for the same reasons, so I'm guessing there's a point of commonality with the Oval Office. We're TNN, the Truth News Network. And unlike others, you can believe what comes from our leader, Dan
0: Newman. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to TNN Live. Hope you're having a good week. You got a half of it done, well, at least by the end of the day today. You'll have half of the week done. Many, many things, important things happening around the world. Fortunately, we've got our eyes on a bunch of them regularly. Easy to get to. Those are ours. There are a bunch more in other places. We're going to get into some really deep stuff today. And it's going to require you to think. I know you can do that. But typically, when you listen to this show, you've got other things going on. That's normally the way it works. When I'm listening to a podcast, I'm usually doing something else and just listening and not listening intently just because we're busy people. Sometimes it takes two or three different uh, repeats of stories about important things. But we'll pull all of that together for you today. And uh, we try to do that every day for you. We give everybody a little bit of what they want to know, questions they ask. And so, we're going to do one of that. Yes, we'll do a a synopsis of the New Hampshire primary last night. A lot of things there you haven't seen yet.
2: We'll get there. When I wake up in the morning, love, and the sunlight hurts my eyes. Something without want to love Bears heavy on my
3: mind
2: Then I look at you And the world's alright with me Just one look at you And I know it's gonna be A love
0: Results of the New Hampshire primary election? Well, we're not going to spend a great deal of time on it, but there are some things that came out that kind of diminish what it looked like in several different ways. What does that mean, Dan? We'll get into that in just a second. I just want to say this. We are just at the beginning of what's going to be an all-out political war in the United States of America. More than half of, the nation is set on doing whatever is necessary to keep Donald Trump from going into the White House. It's as plain as you can imagine. And there are some things that we need to go in to discuss that, but I want to let you know, you need to put that thought in the back of your head as we talk about these things, the election things. And you know what? There's always more important things going on in the world around us other than our elections. But we're going to get into a little bit of that after we take a look at what are the real consequences of the New Hampshire primary yesterday. Things aren't really as they seem, and I'm going to break that down for you during the show today. Nikki Haley came in second, as Donald Trump predicted he was probably going to be somewhere just above double digits in his win, and he was, about 11 points. What does that mean? Well, if you look at it and tear it down and open it up like we're going to do for you today, you'll find out what you hear, there's a whole lot of little bitty moving parts underneath that develop into what we heard. Nikki Haley, Haley relied heavily on the support of independents and Democrats in the New Hampshire primary. But she still lost by double digits. That's not a good sign. Now, you might ask, what do you mean she lied on the support of independents and Democrats? I thought this was a Republican primary. It's a different kind of constitution of a primary. Do you know that up to October, anybody that wants that's already registered or wants to register... Until someday, I forget the exact day in October, you can change your party affiliation and then you can come back later and change it back to what it was before or to some other one. You got three, Democrats, Republicans, and Independents. Of the Haley voters in the Granite State, now what I'm telling you now is polling, exit polling done by CNN. We're just talking about Haley's voters in the Granite State. Last night, here's what people told them. 70%, 7 in 10, said they were registered as undeclared prior to Tuesday's primary. 70%. CNN relied on an exit poll to make its shocking statement New Hampshire's loose requirements, what they do is they allow for you to cross over while future Republican caucuses and primaries are going to consist overwhelmingly of, guess what? Republicans, registered Republicans. Trump crushed Haley in the primary by double digits. The Associated Press called the New Hampshire results within three minutes of the polls closing. In Iowa... That seems like a month ago, but it was last week. In Iowa, Trump won by a historic 30%. It took the Associated Press 31 minutes to call the race. That should tell us something. They knew what was happening. Trump's path to the nomination, it seems even more and more to people that are being, you know, middle of the road, not making up their minds on the front end. But it's inevitable after Trump's crushing victory Senator John Cornyn and Debbie Fisher endorsed Trump within minutes of his victory and then there's our former president Donald Trump I couldn't let this day go by day after primary in New Hampshire without letting you here, former President Trump give his after it's all over speech, I know that's a term I just made up but it was still going on at the time. Here's Donald Trump.
4: Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Whoa! USA. 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 Thank USA. You. USA. USA. Well, I want to thank everybody. This is a fantastic state. This is a great, great state. You know, we won New Hampshire three times now. Three. Three we win it every time we win the primary we win the generals we've won it and it's a very very special place to me it's very important if you remember in 2016 we came here and we needed that winner we won by 21 points and it was great and uh, today i have to tell you it was very interesting because i said wow what a great victory but then somebody ran up to the stage all dressed up nicely when it was at 7. But now I just walked up and it's at 14. But but she ran up when it was 7. And, you know, we have to do what's good for our party. And she was up and I said, wow, she's doing uh, like a speech like she won. She didn't win. She lost. And, you know, last, last week we had a little bit of a problem. And if you remember, Ron was very upset because she ran up and she pretended she won iowa and i looked around i said didn't she come in third yeah she came in third and then i looked at the polls she was talking about most winnability who's going to win and i had one put up i don't know if you see it but i have one put up we've won almost every single poll in the last three months against crooked joe biden almost every poll and she doesn't win those polls and she doesn't win this This is not your typical victory speech but let's not have somebody take a victory when she had a very bad night she had a very bad night and you uh you have the you have the very the now very unpopular governor of this state this guy he's got to be on something i've never seen anybody with energy he's like uh, hopscotch and uh, you know I'm, I'm watching this guy and Two weeks ago, I said, we're going to win. We're going to win in the last side. We're going to win. About three days ago, I saying, well, we want to do well. That's a big difference. But I walked out just now. We're 14 points up. And I don't know what it's going to be. But when she was up here, it was like six or seven. And, you know, with like 7% of the vote counted. Now, let let me just tell you, we, uh, we had an unbelievable week last week in Iowa. We set a record. It was the best in the history of the caucus, in the history. And uh, I remember I sort of had the same feeling. I'm up and I'm watching, and I said, she's taking a victory lap. And we we beat her so badly she was. But Ron beat her also. You know, Ron came in second and he left. She came in third and she's still hanging around. The other thing, she only got 25% of the Republican votes. I don't know if you saw that. Tremendous numbers of independents came out because in this state Because you have a governor that doesn't frankly know what the hell he's doing in this state in the Republican primary They accept Democrats to vote. In fact, I think they had 4,000 Democrats Democrats before October 6th. They already voted Now they're all voting because they want to make me look as bad as possible Because if you remember we won in 2016 and if you really remember, and if you want to play it straight, we also won in 2020 yeah. by more. And we did much better in 2020 than we did in 2016. But as they said, we lost by a whisker, just by a whisker. No, 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 but we can't let that happen. You know, you have to have people that speak up. I said, I can go up and I can say to everybody, oh, thank you for the victory. It's wonderful. It's won-. Or I can go up and say, who the hell was the imposter that went up on the stage before and, like, claimed a victory? She did very poorly, actually. She had to win. The governor said, she's going to win, she's going to win, she's going to win. Then she she failed badly. Now, I have here, if he promises to do, to do it in a minute or less, but the only person more angry than let say me, but I don't get too angry. I get even.
0: That's enough of that. Listen, you, d- you just listened to the former president. Let me ask you a question. You remember what it was like when he was in the White House before, especially at the front end of that. He was far more verbose than what you just heard. Now, what you just heard, even though it's scaled down, it might have been a little edgy for some of you. But let me tell you something about Donald Trump that few people realize. We, including me, you, and most Americans, we were unaccustomed to having anybody in political leadership that talked the way that Donald Trump talks. And lots of time in his campaign, back in 2015, 2016, he said things, and I just cringed. And if you're a Christian, Christians don't like the profanity. I don't like it. I don't use it. I think it is uh, belittling to the person that's speaking that, but that's what I feel. Donald Trump's first run at the White House did something for me. It changed me in this way. I don't like 80%, maybe less than that, maybe 70%. I don't like 70% of his messaging. Not the message that's inside the message, the way he does it. I think he could do without his you know, his profanity. I think he needs to be a little bit less verbose. We know the good things that he's done. We're watching them. And to be quite honest with you, most Americans feel like he could do it again for four more years. Most Americans feel otherwise on the president now, Joe Biden. There is quite a difference between the two. But we need to look at the substance of things rather than the sound or the look of things. We need to find what's really going on there. And just, just take my advice. Look at the four years of Donald Trump and the three years of Joe Biden. Compare what each did, not what they said or how they said it. No one can credibly say Joe Biden has been a good president. No one can say at all without being an idiot that Joe Biden does a better job in the White House than did Donald Trump. Donald Trump, Joe Biden. What's the big difference between the two? It's not the party affiliation. It's this. Joe Biden, professionally, he's been a politician. Nothing else look at what Donald Trump's history is so far he worked with people he was from the northeast side of Manhattan Queens is a rough part of town it really is and the people there are mainly blue collar people they're the ones that have the the funny way that they talk hey man that's where he came from he had a great career still going commercial real estate, building, all kinds of things, all over the world, almost all of them very successful. Within that time period, what did he do? He worked with people, and he didn't blow smoke at people. They don't do that in Queens. What comes out of their mouth is what they say, what they believe, and that's the way he grew up. There were a bunch of my Christian friends, my older brother, My pastor, as a matter of fact, in the first run, Donald Trump, we loved what he was saying. We believed when he said it that he was going to do most of, if not all of, the things that he promised he would do if he was elected. Lo and behold, he got elected, and he did every one of the things he said he would do other than the ones that Congress stopped him on. Now compare that to Joe Biden. Joe Biden does all the stuff that he does for people other than you and me. That's because this is all he's ever known. And then there's Nikki Haley. We're going to find out more and more about her background in the next few months. I don't think she'll last a long time, but there's a lot of baggage in her, in her wake that a lot of people don't know about. And there are a lot of things about this election so far, about Governor Haley, that we don't know about, but we're learning. For instance, money we know plays a big deal in politics. Really big deal. Listen to this. Nikki Haley spent thirty one million dollars in New Hampshire. Thirty one million. And she spent that to place second in the primary. So this massive amount of money spent on losing the Granite State, it shows how strong Donald Trump's grassroots support in this state is. It also suggests Haley wasted money on challenging Trump. Now you're probably saying, how much did Trump spend? Half of what Nikki Haley spent. Here are the campaigns and outside group and spending on ads for Republican primary candidates in New Hampshire. Pro-Haley ad money, $31 million. All others, $31 million. Pro-Trump ads made up $15 million. He spent exactly half of what she spent. Her failure there in New Hampshire, it mirrors her third place the week before. In Iowa, Haley spent $2 million more than did Governor Ron DeSantis. That's the most of any candidate. Both amounted to more than half of the total 123 million in ads between the Republican candidates since Monday, CNN reported after the Iowa caucuses. And that went pro Haley ads 37 million, pro DeSantis 35 million, Donald Trump 18.3 million, and all the others rolled in together 33.2 million dollars. Don't you find this interesting? This just blows my mind. Where's all that money coming from? Why is Nikki Haley, ride did Ron DeSantis spend all that money? Why do the people that really foot the bill for these campaigns, who are they? Some of you may not like me to say this, but I'm going to tell you facts. Most of it comes from not you and me not the rank-and-file United States citizens. It comes from big money sources. Now, why would somebody that has a big corporation, why would, especially a national political race, would they spend a bunch of money like you just heard, the totals that we just gave you? Why would they spend that money? There's only one reason. They want their... Canada to win, and they, in that regard, don't want the opposition to win, and they're willing because they don't want the other guy to win to spend millions of dollars just on advertising. Why would they do that? Here we go. What's our talking point mantra about dollars and cents? The love of money is the root of all evil. You can bet that these big givers And we may have time to talk about a few of them and tell you who they are. And it'll explain a lot to you. But that's what drives the boat for most politicians. There's a little difference in this campaign right now. Donald Trump has a lot of money. He spends a lot of his own money. Nobody ever talks about that. Nobody ever looks and sees what money in the campaign uh, results the records they keep up with, they have to legally, and see how much of Trump money goes into his campaign as compared to the other candidates getting big dollars. There's always quid pro quo. You give me a dollar, I'm human, you're human. If I want something later on and I turn to you after you get elected, you're going to take my phone call. You may not do something I ask, but you are darn sure going to take my phone call this is all in play and to be quite honest it's all in play like I've never seen it before now we heard after the evening was over Senator John Cornyn of Texas endorsed Donald Trump for president just moments after the New Hampshire primary was called and it was called within minutes of the polls closing Cornyn said this and I like him a lot I do I have seen enough he said to beat Biden, Republicans need to unite around a single candidate. And it's clear that President Trump is Republican voters' choice. It's interesting he said Republican voters' choice because he knew just the things I just told you. Hundreds of thousands of dollars in this primary for Nikki Haley's campaign came from Democrat mega donors. Now think about the political system, just the part we've talked about here at the top of the show. What does that mean? Well, it simply means these people looking at that primary, they wanted desperately not so much to have Nikki Haley win, but to stop Donald Trump from winning. They do not want Donald Trump back in the White House. Several mega donors gave her several million dollars to spend. And if she gets elected, who's going to come a calling with a handout? A majority of Senate Republicans now have endorsed Trump. But John Barrasso, Republican from Wyoming, he's been the only senior member of the Senate GOP leadership to endorse the former president's reelection bid before Tuesday night. Barrasso. Had also been the only one of the three Johns, the three most speculated successors to Republican leader Mitch McConnell in the Senate to endorse the president. Senator John Thune, Republican from San Diego. Listen to me, South Dakota. I saw the SD. And John Thune, who, like McConnell, has been less than warm to Trump, is the third one. All five senior members of the House have endorsed Trump. This is the... House Republican Conference. Cornyn's endorsement, it's indicative of the air of inevitability around the popular former president's nomination. Here's what he said Cornyn, four more years of failed domestic policies like the Biden border crisis, record high inflation, failed foreign policies that have emboldened our adversaries and made the world a more dangerous place. It's got to be stopped. Cornyn said, I'm proud of our accomplishments in President Trump's first term including the confirmation of 234 federal judges, three members of the United States Supreme Court, passing historic tax reform, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, and unleashing our energy potential, ushering in the best economy for all Americans in his 70 years. I will be continuing to work to elect a Republican Senate majority and to elect President Trump in 2024, And that's when he said, I've seen enough. There's a lot of people up there that have just watched Iowa last week and watched New Hampshire, and they're seeing the handwriting on the wall. Now, who's writing on the wall that they're looking at? You know who is? We are. Me and you, the American people, are sending a message. And that's one thing I like about the intense coverage of all of these primaries and caucuses by our news media. They're doing it for ratings. We all know that. They do it for the money. But when they give us stuff and we filter through and find the correct stuff, it makes things happen in our own brains. Obviously, that's what happened to Senator John Cornyn. He's a politician. Don't make any bones about it. But he waits He watches, he learns, he knows. That's, to be honest with you, what you and I ought to do. (laughs) That's what we ought to do every time. Boy, it would keep us out of a lot of trouble, wouldn't it, if we just waited. I don't know about you, but I got in big trouble throughout my life so far jumping into something without really working through to get to the meat on the bone and find out what's really there. We're just getting started We've got another couple of, uh, uh, I'll do some more analysis, but we've got a couple of other people that we want you to hear about that uh, piped up last night. They got some news, some words, some opinions that I think will help you out going forward.
3: 35 years after the original movie, Fox is bringing you back to where it all began. Nobody puts baby in the corner. This is the real Dirty Dance. Yeah. Eight celebrities compete to become the real Baby and Johnny. Forget where my Johnny is. So so- Some will rise. Yes, yes. Some will oh. fall. Oh. All will have the time of their life. Oh. The Real
4: Dirty Dancing four-week event.
5: Starts Tuesday at 9 on Fox 5. Ready, set, ABC Tonight. It's all about big cash. Here we go. And big crash. <laughs> on the new season of Celebrity Wheel of Fortune, one star will spin it. Give me some money. To win it all. The big winner of $1 million. <laughs> then host Leslie Jones is off to the races on Supermarket Sweep.
4: On
3: your carts. Get set. And
5: we're going to need a clean up on every aisle. You are on fire. <laughs> it all starts tonight, 87 central on ABC and stream on Hulu.
1: The following is an important, time-insensitive announcement from Staples. Now, for an unlimited time only, Staples is drastically cutting their everyday prices on hundreds of products your business needs. That's right. The clock is not ticking. Walk, crawl, or lollygag to Staples, and you will not miss this opportunity. These are everyday price cuts. Take a four-pack of AA Duracell batteries. Was $4.79, now just $2.99. But act now or later because these staples' everyday price cuts will be around for a really, really long time. Price cuts like a two pack of Scotch Magic tape, previously $479, now just $299. And Scotch Packaging tape, now just $229 for today, tomorrow, and pretty much every day till the cows come home. But don't hurry. These everyday price cuts are indefinite. To repeat, these prices will last. So stop by your nearest staples whenever it's convenient and take advantage of these normal, continuing everyday price cuts. Thank you need more cowbell? Better yet, how about the ring of truth?
0: TNN, the Truth News Network, and Dan Newman. So here we go, here we go, Wednesday at TNN Live. Thank you all for being here today. A lot of moving parts. Everything has got to be focused on. Somehow, we've got to keep our eyes and our arms and our thinking around what the really important things are. Don't get so distracted that it takes your focus off the things, the big things that we need to hear about. Laura Ingram last night. Laura Ingram, I really like her. First, she's an attorney. She's never been married. She's adopted three or four kids. And she's been doing what she's doing now for many, many years. I used to, we traveled a lot in the, I guess in the first, 12, 13 years of uh, this century. And on the road, I like to listen. And we drove. We had a bus. We had a football team. We we went all over the place. And I loved having Nikki Haley, uh, Laura Ingram, <laughs> Laura Ingram's show to listen to because she always explains things. She breaks them down. And she kind of cuts through the fluff, the political fluff of the political things that are important. It makes it easier to understand. So you've heard everything about last night, heard about what Nikki Haley said, what's happening going forward with her, and why. And Nikki Haley, to her credit, she painted a really good story about where she is and where she thinks she's going to go and what it's going to take to get there. And she moved on. But remember, everybody like you and me We're looking and listening to what Nikki Haley says she's going to do going forward. Now, yeah, she was a two-term governor in South Carolina, evidently pretty successful, if not very successful. But it's a big, big jump to go from a state to the biggest country on the planet and the most powerful country on the planet in just one step. She's really into politics Laura Ingram last night, she kind of wrapped up thoughts for the week and for the New Hampshire primary. She's got some interesting perspective.
6: And now, apropos of this conversation, the last gasp of the Never Trumpers. That's the focus of tonight's angle. All right, whatever the final tally tonight is in New Hampshire, Donald J. Trump is well on his way to being the GOP 2024 nominee. Now, this is nothing personal toward the former South Carolina governor. As our reporter, Brian Yanis, just said, she's been working hard in the Granite State. But if she decides to drag this out through South Carolina or beyond, Trump will still be the nominee. It doesn't matter how many donors or paid flacks tell Nikki Haley otherwise. This is not her time. Now, it's funny to watch the corporate media, though, because they're so predictable. All she needs to do is outperform in New Hampshire, whatever that means.
0: Haley, on the other hand, hoping to shatter expectations, telling reporters
6: she's in it for the long run. Nikki Haley is making what could be her last stand, betting her hopes on crushing the numbers of undeclared voters and doing better than expected with Republicans. Well, it's a nice try, but guess who sets the expectations? The corporate media. So the press is so desperate to keep the appearance of a horse race that they had this banner up on MSNBC pretty much all day. I love it. 100% for Nikki Haley, 0% for Trump. Okay, of course, it's Dixville Notch. You know, they had that at the bottom of the screen.
1: All six voted for Nikki Haley.
5: Four of the voters were registered Republicans, the other two undeclared. You see Haley out to a quick 6-0 lead, courtesy of Dixville Notch, where all six voters uh, had their traditional midnight vote last night. Dixville Notch, obviously, just after
4: midnight, all six votes in that place uh, voted for Nikki Haley.
6: Okay. newsflash, you need to win in order to chalk up delegates. And as someone who spent four years and four winters in New Hampshire, I'll tell you this. If she cannot win a primary in a state like New Hampshire, where the independents can vote, where she has the governor on her side and where social conservatives have little influence, where exactly does she plan to win? As much as y'all like to sit there and say Trump's going to have this, the truth is you're not acknowledging that
4: 70% of Americans don't want a Trump-Biden rematch. Trump has lied on TV and spent millions saying I want to cut Social Security, which I never said I would I thinking. saw that ad yesterday. Yeah, but you guys haven't talked about it. You keep that saying coronate, lie, not tell the truth, what do you say on the couch? I'm really wondering why you think we're the enemy. Because I've looked at the media, look at the political class all coalescing and saying everybody needs to get out.
6: Of course, I understand that it has to be disappointing to learn that in most Republican uh, voter strongholds, they don't agree with you on some key issues. The so-called mainstream GOP has had, what, about eight and a half years to convince the voters that Trump was wrong about China, wrong about immigration, wrong about foreign affairs, wrong about the deep state. But despite their best efforts, people like McConnell, Romney, Christie, and Mike Pence, they couldn't convince the voters to turn away from the America First or populist agenda. In fact, if anything, the less support Trump got from the so-called moderates, the more voters' views solidified in his favor. So why has this happened? Why don't the voters trust the GOP leadership and the so-called mainstream? Well, it's not hard. The Senate minority leader right now is working with Chuck Schumer to squeeze out more money for Ukraine, and essentially keep the border open, calling it a big border deal, even though poll after poll shows that the GOP voters do not want either. No wonder they don't trust the party leadership. You can't blame them. The GOP, uh, the Biden administration is literally suing right now to stop Texas from enforcing the border. Yeah, somehow Senate Republicans think Biden can be trusted to enforce any new laws. It makes zero sense and the voters know this. Now, Haley isn't asking for my opinion, and she's miffed at this network, but it's kinda obvious. If you're a Republican who is seen as standing defiantly against your own voters on key issues, you're probably not gonna be too popular. Republicans want a candidate who reflects their views, and of course, they also wanna win.
7: I vote this morning. I went, instead of voting for Haley, I voted for uh, Donald Trump
8: this morning. You changed morning.
7: Your vote this morning. Yeah, Why? Sure did. Um, I think the election, the primary is over. I think that, you know, Mr. Trump's going to be our next candidate.
6: Well, smart guy. Even Politico yesterday called Haley's New Hampshire bid the last stand of the never Trumpers. And the GOP chair in New Hampshire, Jennifer Horn, just flat out said it's all over. Now, never-Trumpers do see New Hampshire as a make-or-break moment, right? They, we, we know that. But as I said, wishing it were different doesn't make it different. So now what's at stake? Why is this happening? Well, we know tonight that you're going to hear a lot of chatter about continuing to, continuing to go, continuing to keep this going on. But in the end, we're seeing why Donald Trump ultimately won this. He won this because he won the heart and soul of the Republican voters. And that's on issue after issue after indictment after indictment. And doesn't matter what Nikki Haley believes at this point, doesn't matter if she decides to stay in, she'll either be part of the solution for restoring prosperity and peace to the United States, or she'll be part of the problem. I hope for her, it's the former, and that's the angle.
0: Now, who is Laura Ingram to make those statements? Well, she's somebody that's been right at all the time, every two years, the election process. She's been immersed in the middle of it. All of the good and the bad about how the news media report on everything, everything that has any way, it's touched in any way, by political campaigns. And she can almost smell the facts when it comes to specific elections. Now, how does she get that? She's a real media person. She's one of the very few around that they call it like it is. She doesn't have a dog in the hunt. Basically, she's an American, she's very smart, she's successful in what she does, And she's thankful that she's who she is. And she doesn't act like she's somebody else when she talks about political things that happen, especially campaigns and elections. We're not done with one more topic about what she brought up. And it's a very important topic. In New Hampshire, you wouldn't think this, but the voters there, they were polled And they came back with the most important thing in this election. This 2024 election is our southern border. Now, it's probably the most controversial thing that we've ever dealt with. Maybe quite, not quite to the point of World War II. You and I weren't there. Most of us weren't. I certainly wasn't. But today, all of that has switched. And as bad as the economy is in under Joe Biden, it is not even mentioned, at least in New Hampshire, as the number one thing that would be the most important thing for the next president to concentrate on. It's the border, the southern border. So there's a lot of wailing and gnashing of teeth in Washington, D.C. by all of the establishment political class up there. They always march to a, different drum than the rest of us. And this president simply refuses to enforce any law that he doesn't like. And that's why, the sole reason why our southern border is in the shape it's in. But still, all of these rhino Republicans and of course every Democrat, they are all in for open borders. This, I'm going to make a prediction here. This thing the open southern borders, will be the final breath that the rhinos in the Republican Party take. They are going to wear this into their political graves. I really believe that. Now yesterday, once again, how many times have you heard the White House puppets in the press briefings when asked about the southern border stuff? They'll whine and go on and on and on and on. For several years, they didn't do that. The border's secured. We have control of the border. Yeah, there are some issues there, but we have control of it. And then very quietly, all of a sudden, about a month ago, what did they start doing? Yeah, we have problems there. And they switched their mantra over to this. The problem is because of Republicans. We, the president, presented them a supplemental a bill that needed to happen that would be part of the budget, but we've got to have more money to take care of our southern border. And the reason it's not closed, the reason why all of these immigrants, millions of them are pouring across the southern border, is because these evil Republicans won't give this president the money that he needs. Want an example? I guess I just have a hard time understanding why there is a, a disconnect
1: here. Yeah,
8: I look, the president has repeatedly said that the, the immigration system is broken. He has said that on day one, from day one, when he put forward his first uh, piece of legislation, his first big policy was to deal on the border. And it's been three years. We haven't seen any action. We're glad to see that there's conversation at the Senate. But he has said, he has said it is broken immigration system is broken border security we need more resources he's been very very clear very clear at, at, about that and i think those are the actions that he's taken over the last three years those uh when you look at this uh, bipartisan agreement obviously those conversation uh, when it leads to the border security has been about that how can we see significant meaningful meaningful policy changes and also funding adding funding to that to deal with what's happening at the border
0: We hear that all the time now. We hear it and have heard it every time a question is asked in a White House uh, press conference. They won't listen to the facts. They know what the truth is, but they don't want us to ever think that they're not doing things the right way. So we wade in with somebody that's pretty much in the loop. Been in Congress for a while, has been all over it. Been in leadership in the House and the Republican Party. He's now House Speaker. He was confronted about why the Republicans just won't cave and give Joe Biden a blank check to spend billions more that we are told would go to taking care of our southern border stuff. But you and I both know the reason that supplemental request was included was for Ukraine dollars. And when the Republicans demand, we want the security of the southern border to be included in this bill, since Joe Biden told the world, I'm going to give the Republicans this request, and this is what it is. They came back and said, wait a minute. There's no money in this supplement to take care of our southern border. We require to sign this budget and agree to it, especially if this money is included in it. We want and demand our southern border being taken care of. Mike Johnson, he's a pretty smart cookie. He weighed in explaining this at a press meeting
8: the Biden administration seems to be asking for is billions of additional dollars with no appropriate oversight, no clear strategy to win, and and none of the answers that I think the American people are owed. We need a clear articulation of the strategy to allow Ukraine to win. And thus far, their responses have been insufficient. They have not provided us the clarity and the detail that we have requested over and over since literally 24 hours after I was handed the gavel as Speaker of the House. And so what the Biden administration seems to be asking for is billions of additional dollars with no appropriate oversight, no clear strategy to win, and and none of the answers that I think the American people are owed. I have also made very clear from day one that our first condition on any national security supplemental spending package is about our own national security first. The border is an absolute catastrophe. And this is because of the policies of this White House and this administration. We had 12,000 illegal crossings on one day last week alone, on Wednesday. We have uh, almost now 280 known terrorists that have been apprehended at the border. None of this counts the gotaways. (coughs) If you add the numbers up, it's almost seven million people who have been encountered at the border just since President Biden took office and at least two million gotaways. This is twice the population of my state of Louisiana. Fentanyl is the leading cause of death for Americans age 18 to 49 in this country. Fentanyl poisoning because it's allowed over the border. We have human trafficking and all the other terrible things. In the last three months, October, November, December alone, we've had more illegal crossings at the border than in any entire year during the Obama administration. The American people see this, they feel it acutely, they see all the terrible societal ills that come from this, and it must be addressed. So I've made this very clear Again, from the very beginning, when I was handed the gavel, we needed clarity on what we're doing in Ukraine and how we'll have proper oversight of the spending of precious taxpayer dollars of the American citizens, and we needed a transformative change at the border.
0: That's very simple, isn't it? But there's a fundamental. This really bugs me. Our representatives in large part, and I'm talking about conservative reps in the uh, GOP, when they are asked questions or they're talking about our southern border and what needs to happen to stop all of this stuff that's going on. Nobody's coming up and making a big deal out of this one thing. Joe Biden could stop, 100% stop the southern border stuff with one sentence. Close the border. Close the border. Now, why would he do that? Well, first... The first reason to do it would be because in his oath of office, he swore to obey all the laws. Every law. Constitution and every law that was created and passed and signed into law by the legislature and whatever president is in office. Now, immigration law is clear on multiple levels in multiple Pieces of legislation that were passed and t- turned into law. It is a crime for anybody to step foot in the United States without doing so legally. It must be regulated and operated as the Constitution and the federally passed laws. You got to abide by the laws of the land, operate and function beneath the rule of law, and lead this country based upon facts. Rather than coming up with these crazy bills at the last moment, they'll hand out a 1,200-page bill on a Friday and expect a vote on Monday. They do it all the time. That is not leadership. And that's not what these people pledge in their oaths of office to do for you and I. If I was Mike Johnson, and listen, he's the Speaker of the House, brand new. We all know that. He stepped into a big quagmire when he became Speaker of the House because there were a lot of things that were supposed to have been done that weren't done and a lot of things that needed to be undone. They were done incorrectly and they need to be fixed. At the same time, he's learning all of this, what's going on around him. Everybody's got a dog in the hunt. And everybody wants this southern border stuff to be handled in one way or another. But everybody, all of them, need to sit down and shut up and point their fingers at the president and saying, Mr. President, not only can you shut the border down in one day, you're supposed to abide by the rule of law, which means make sure that every person that commits a crime does anything in opposition to any federal law, they must be held accountable to what the law says. Every one of these illegals that step here according to the law, they're supposed to be returned immediately to the country where they came from. Why isn't Joe Biden doing that? Why hasn't he? And why would any Democrat or any American for that matter, why would any of them just sign off on all of this chaos and stupidity and say, Hey, We demand our government work for us the way it was structured to do and has been operating that way for 200 plus years. If the people don't make their voices heard on this, it'll never be changed. We have a lot of people in our government, Senate, House, not the White House right now, but are really upset about this southern border stuff and the ramifications there. But these things have been happening for years. There was only one breath of time that it went pretty darn good at the southern border. And you know when that was. It was when Donald Trump got in the presidency and immediately began to do the one thing that can make it work, enforce the rule of law. It will never happen. We will never get border security. And crime will continue to skyrocket. And government deficits will just continue to rise because it costs billions every month to handle Joe Biden's southern border debacle. We've got to stop it all. And if and when we stop it, I pray that Biden will do it before he leaves office. But he won't because he sold out to the left. If we don't stop it, there is no telling what's going to happen to the United States. Honestly, we know, as you just heard Mike Johnson say, there are 280 terrorists, known terrorists, on the terrorist watch list that we find out after they come here, they're here. Now, what are terrorists going to do in the United States? They're going to create terror. Have we had any of that? Not yet. Will we have any of that? Well, haters going to hate, 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 hate. Terror going to create terror, terror, terror. It's inevitable and it will happen. I hope I'm not part of it, but who knows? We might be. Real truth, real news, TNN, the Truth News Network.
5: A wild caught filio fish and a sizzly double cheeseburger. Well, they are two classics that never go out of style. Hold on. Wait. You're assembling a Surf Plus Turf McDonald's hack, which must make you a menu hacker. Yes, the Surf Plus Turf available only on the McDonald's app. You get free medium fries and a drink. Oh, someone opened the app. I need to order and build one immediately. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
4: The advanced surgeons at the Center for Innovative GYN Care look beyond quick fixes like birth control to help their patients find the best treatment options for complex GYN conditions. My name is Sakina, and I had the CIGC groundbreaking minimally invasive hysterectomy. I got back to my life in a week with only two small incisions and minimal scarring. Discover the CIGC difference with offices in Midtown Manhattan and Montclair, New Jersey. Telemedicine appointments are also available. Book a consultation at InnovativeGYN.com or call 888-SURGERY.
1: New Dunkin' Refreshers. Vibrant fruit flavors like strawberry dragon fruit and peach passion fruit. B vitamins and energy from green tea. All under 200 calories. Order ahead via the Dunkin' App for contactless way to order, pay, and pick up in the drive-thru. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.
5: See the bold new expression of sporty style.
7: Hear the amazing quietness of a truly luxurious cabin. Feel the exceptional horsepower and amazing torque. And experience greater
5: acceleration than ever before. Behold, the most powerful sedan in its class. The new Toyota Camry. Real power, absolute performance. Discover the new Camry at toyota.com.my
0: have all these very important things in our ears and eyes every day, television news, talking about what do we have going on right now? Well, we have inflation. We have our southern border issue. We have problems overseas, especially in the Middle East. All these things going on and bubbling underneath the surface of all of these are a bunch of little things. We very seldom talk about those. We don't talk about them until somebody gets hurt or shot. There's multiple shooting, a big fire that burns a bunch of people. All of those kind of things are real easy to throw out on the marketplace so people can see it. But what we've got to do is cut through the, uh, the specific things that just keep our focus away from what the facts are. You may not remember this, but a couple of weeks ago, I talked to you about the Chinese are experimenting with a new COVID strain. And the Chinese say, and I'm not sure what lab it's going, uh, the research is going on. Probably Wuhan. That's where they've done all this other stuff. But they say when they put it out and they do it with lab rats, it's 100% fatal. Fatal. Right now, we're facing a perfect storm, and it's on our horizon. It's not a good one either. In addition to the respiratory syncytial virus, RSV, and the new COVID-X variant, a new strain is being experimented with a Chinese lab, but that's not the worst part. A new research paper published on the website BioRxV, shows that medical experiences, experiments are being conducted by researchers in China. One who was trained at an academy run by the Chinese People Liberation Army, the PLA. And in this lab research, four mice were infected with this new strain, China's own version of a pangolin coronavirus. Four mice were left as the control group. Shockingly, the four mice infected with the new virus died in less than a week and a half. That's 100% fatality rate. And just as the original Wuhan virus may have started in animals, there's now growing concern that this new pathogen could jump species and begin infecting humans. The researchers who did all this experimented with this strain. They tell us they don't know what the future holds. To the best of our knowledge, this is the first report showing that a SARS-CoV-2-related pathogen, coronavirus, can cause 100% mortality, suggesting a risk for this thing to spill over into humans. Now, we're told the coronavirus, the first one, it slipped out of a lab. We were told it came from animals and it got in the the area of that lab in Wuhan, China. We still haven't confirmed the exact details and sources of that one. So here's my question for you, and I'm not trying to scare you. just want to make sure you know what's going on out there. And we're watching. We'll let you know if there are any changes here. But don't be shocked if we don't wake up one morning and hear, uh-oh, disease X, is out there, what do we do? I think we're close to that. And we all need to be careful and think about that because these are very important issues and they're bubbling underneath the surface. So until something happens really bad, we're not really paying much attention to it. But just so you know, I'm doing some research here to find out, dig, and see if I can get some more information about it. Or was this just the, uh, the shock story that got released into the media so they could give it to us and start getting us scared and then they can come in and do coronavirus pandemic number two, but worse than that, and lock us down, do all the things they did to us in the pandemic while this disease continues to spread and kill a bunch of people? These things are not just stories. There are people, many people, in very powerful positions, not just here but around the world, that for whatever reason or reasons, they're locked in to a leftist philosophy of reducing the population of Earth. And it's worked. At least last year, for the first time in our history, our population went down. Now why would that happen? Well, at the end of COVID-19, as it ramped down, we began to notice that people started dying unusual deaths. And many of those people had taken the COVID vaccinations. Are you hearing anything about that in the media? All I hear once or twice a week in our local news and regional news, hospitals are slammed with all kinds of diseases. And if you dig into the stories that come out and you read down in the bottom lines, you almost always will find out they had bad reactions to COVID-19 vaccinations. The White House, everybody in Washington, they've stopped touting in most parts They have stopped touting, get these new vaccinations, get them, get them. Now, they're running PSAs, public service ads, on television networks. That's the federal government. I don't know why, but in every other thing in our lives, they make, if anybody invents something that's a big deal or finds some new thing, and they've done their own research and it's time to take it to market, do you know how long it takes to get through all of the federal red tape to get this thing legal, to do what it does in the private marketplace, in the public marketplace, it takes years. But when we have something they want to put out there and tout, oh, no, no, no. Now, I saw this story overnight. I thought it was, it was kind of comical. Our friends up to the north in Canada, Justin Trudeau is their president, And if you remember, they had that big freedom convoy that the government up there, the Supreme Court up there, determined it was unconstitutional. Well, guess what? The court finds that Trudeau's use of counterterrorism law against that freedom convoy is unconstitutional. Federal Court Justice Richard Mosley, he ruled that the Use of Emergencies Act by the liberal government of Trudeau to shut down those truck-led protests, yeah, that happened back in 22. It's a long time back. And they're just getting to it, I guess, now. That judge found Trudeau's actions were unreasonable. This ruling came in response to a big case brought forward by the Canadian Civil Liberties Association, the con- Canadian Constitution Foundation and other groups and individuals who argue the protest didn't meet the legal threshold for a government to use the powers granted under that act which has never been used and was originally intended as a means of combating terrorists. So if you remember these protests which began in January in 2022, they were almost entirely peaceful featured truckers using their big truck tractor-trailer rigs to block roads in Ottawa and along the U.S. border, and they're doing that, or we're doing that, in opposition to vaccine mandates, other lockdown mandates for which they were falsely branded as racist by the Trudeau government. Go figure. So the triggering, so-called triggering of the Emergencies Act by Trudeau, reportedly at the urging of the Biden administration, did you get that? The Biden administration reached out to the president of Canada and gave him the way to get rid of this protest. It had nothing to do with health matters. This is crazy. Allowed the government to arrest the leaders of the freedom convoy, freeze bank accounts of protesters, and seize donations intended for the protest. So they had COVID-19, vaccines, and racism built into this. The government did. The act states that for the government to declare a public emergency, there's got to be threats to the security of Canada that are so serious as to be a national emergency. The law defers to the definition of a threat from the Canadian Security Intelligence Service. That list, espionage, serious violence foreign interference, or intent to overthrow the government as examples that would meet the threshold. Now, trucks blocking traffic, that doesn't seem like an emergency to me. Obviously, Justin Trudeau felt like it was, and he, on his own, did something about it that was illegal. What's going to happen? Look at the time, February of 2022. Here we are in 2024, and they're just getting together to rule on that. I wonder how the lives have been changed by any Canadians because of what Trudeau and his administration did at the behest of the Biden administration. Hey, do you know who Carrie Lake is now? Carrie Lake, out in Arizona, uh, she ran for governor. She's a television personality, a very attractive woman, been in, television for quite a while she's a hardcore Republican and she has decided she's going to do politics in Arizona she's a candidate for GOP senator coming up this 2024 election she called for the state's Republican Party chair a guy named Jeff DeWitt to resign after an audio recording surfaced of him appearing to present Kerry Lake with an offer of money to leave politics. Now, this turned into an international deal. It was recorded, published by the Daily Mail, dates back to last March, and it features a conversation between Kerry Lake and DeWitt. The audio suggests that the Arizona Republican chair brought an offer from unspecified powerful people in exchange for Miss Lake stepping away from the political scene for two years. She said last night, he's got to resign. It was in an interview, during an interview with NBC reporter, just before Trump's appearance at the New Hampshire primary victory party. We can't have somebody who's corrupt and compromised running the Republican Party, she said. Of course, she's talking about the Arizona Republican Party. In the recording... DeWitt is heard suggesting that powerful figures want Carrie Lake to stay out of the Senate race for two years. Ms. Lake, however, vehemently rejects the proposal, emphasizing her commitment to standing with President Trump against corruption in D.C. There are very powerful people who want to keep you out, but they're willing to put their money where their mouth is in a big way. So this conversation never happened. On this audio, that's what you heard DeWitt, the head of the GOP in Arizona, saying to her. So Lake responded firmly. This is crazy, though. They should want me. I'm a great candidate. People love me. These people are corrupt. So as that conversation moves on, you can hear more. Mr. DeWitt behind the offer is not control or of agenda, but the ability to raise money to win elections. Carrie Lake, however, remains resolute, expressing frustration that those figures were unnamed and that they would attempt to buy her out rather than work with her. The recording revealed DeWitt making multiple offers, even suggesting Lake could take a pause for a couple of years and then resume her political career. She adamantly rejects each offer, stating that the issue, it's not about money, but for the good of my country. After being asked to name her price, she responds, and you can hear her, that she could not be bought for even a billion dollars. She appears frustrated with the attempt to influence her decisions in politics and expresses a commitment to standing with President Trump. Following the publication of the recording, Lake said, I want corruption rooted out of our government. I don't care if it's on the Democrat side or the Republican side. We're going to root out corruption. And she expressed her admiration for President Trump, highlighting his resistance to corruption and pledging to give the government back to the people. Do you think what Kerry Lake said there, do you think that might kind of tie in to what we watched in the Trump administration? And if you sat here, if we sat here, if you were sitting here in the studio with me and we started naming the corruption that evidenced itself throughout the four years of Donald Trump in office and even before he got to office, You could be here for two hours going through those things that were created to try to get rid of Donald Trump. People forget about that. And here we are, somebody running for the U.S. Senate, which is, besides the presidency, the highest place in the federal government anybody can work. And they're trying to buy her off. Last March, Carrie Lake teased that she had been presented with a bribe on behalf of some powerful people back east. There you go. The offer was to stay out of the Senate race. The recording didn't get released until 10 months later. This is uncanny. How much stuff like this happens that we never hear about? And how many things have happened in politics in the United States where there were such things that were accepted and through that exception, accepting it, people got something that they weren't supposed to get but bribed somebody who was supposed to be there in that position or in that job or whatever and the bribe person walked away. Think about that. Talking about corruption, especially in our media. Have you noticed that CNN and MSNBC both, they have cut air on Donald Trump in his primary victory speeches in Iowa and here, cutting away from his New Hampshire rally instead to offer fact checks to viewers? Last night, as Trump boasted that he had won the Granite State for a third time in a row, MSNBC's Rachel Maddow, she stepped on him on the air. She interjected with a interjected with a laugh. So there we go. This is part of the issue here. She then corrected Trump's false assertion that she, he won the state in the 2020 general election, and only in the GOP primary. At the same moment, CNN's Jake Tapper followed suit as he cut off Trump. Jake said, "Here he is right now under my voice. You hear him repeating his anti-immigrant rhetoric." That comes after the primetime broadcast faced black a uh, black backlash a week ago after previously halting Trump's Iowa caucus speech to interject with their own analysis. We played what She said on her show back then, she just went nuts for about two minutes telling everybody, we have made a decision at MSNBC where we're not going to let Donald Trump pontificate and tell lies on our show. We're just not going to do it. MSNBC, they didn't show Trump's victory speech. CNN cut the speech and said Trump's call for border security is anti-immigrant. Now that Trump has won on a land side, the attacks and deception are going to greatly increase. They're not going to stop. They're not even going to ratchet it down. They're going to keep going. The decision from the major liberal-leaning networks to interrupt Trump's speech was met with fury online for conservatives, many feeling it was a blatant demonstration of their dislike for Trump. With much of the recent speculation falling on who Trump picks for his running mate, Tapper cited in his analysis of Trump's victory lap. He noted that Vivek Ramaswamy, a former candidate whose name has been frequently floated as a Trump VP pick, was serving as somewhat of a hype man for Trump on stage. We haven't seen anything like that since Bundini Brown, he joked, referring to Muhammad Ali's legendary boxing coach. As Trump went on his blistering speech, CNN muted his mic when Tapper chimed in. I heard at least two or three things that need fact-checking. Introducing CNN fact-checking and fact-checker Daniel Dale. Dale said, obviously, Donald Trump did not win in 2020. He lost that election, and that's been adjudicated over and over again, although to the crowd he's speaking... Do they believe it it, even though it's a lie? Party politics, party politics. I don't know that we'll ever get rid of it. Is it going to take some horrible thing to happen in the United States, like maybe another 9-11 or something that horrible, before these people are going to wake up and realize truth is all that matters in this stuff? And it's not a good thing in any situation at any time to lie to people, American people, about political things that many times they lie knowing full well when they tell that story. It is untrue and decisions that some Americans might make on that information they see and hear from these mainstream leftist media outlets, they make changes in their life based upon what they're hearing from these Hard-core leftists. That should scare us all to death. Ducey, White House press guy, contact, consul, whatever they call him, for Fox News, he got into it a little bit yesterday in the press briefing, talking to... Uh, John Kirby, John Kirby, he comes to those briefings every once in a while. He's a advocate for the uh, one of the one of the uh, Ed government. I just went blank. He's advocate in the White House for military things, investigative things, and they got into a little bit of it, just a, a little bit. It didn't get nasty, but it was close to doing it. Ducey's pretty pretty tough when he comes to asking questions. And everybody in the White House press corps realized that. I've got that back and forth for you in just a minute. The
5: mouth-watering Big Mac with a savory filio fish and a tasty McChicken. My goodness, that looks good. Oh, oh, you're making a McDonald's menu hack. Yes, a land, air, and sea. Oh, it's going to tip over. No, it's good. It's good. Very stable. Order the land, air, and sea by name, build it by hand, and hack the McDonald's menu. I'm surprised at how attracted I am to it. Hey, Thirst, can I try out a few Coke summer sound effects on you? Yes. Cool. You okay with this?
3: Yes. And this? Yes. And what about this?
4: Gotcha there, Thirst. That wasn't sound effects. That was a Coke. I'm no longer thirsty.
5: You're
3: so out of here.
5: Coca-Cola. Open happiness.
0: So this happened yesterday at the White House. Fox News White House correspondent Peter Ducey he got into it with White House National Security Council John Kirby, and it was about the administration making it easier for illegal immigrants to enter the U.S. Now you heard what Corinne Jean Pierre said by being asked a similar question at a previous press briefing, but Kirby has gotten almost confrontational. And he kind of responds to the questions, especially to Peter Ducey. He responds kind of laughing like, you idiot, you, why are you asking me that? The Supreme Court granted a request by President Biden's administration to allow the Border Patrol to remove that wire installed by Texas officials after Texas sued them for cutting parts of the barrier in a ruling yesterday. The Department of Homeland Security argued that the wire stops agents from accessing the very border they are charged with patrolling and the folks they are charged with apprehending and inspecting. Justices Clarence Thomas, Samuel Alito, Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh, they dissented from that. Only one of those one of those justices I don't know why she did it. Amy Coney Barrett, but she dissented from that decision. Ducey asked Kirby, why are you guys making it easier for people to get into the country illegally? I don't believe we are, Kirby said. Why do you think we are? Well, you guys sued to cut razor wire that was put in place by Texas officials, and the Border Patrol could actually do their jobs, but keep going, Kirby responded. Well, you went in court, so now what, Ducey asked. The Border Patrol Union president saying the Supreme Court decision is going to undoubtedly encourage more illegals to come here. Do you guys know better than the Border Patrol Union? If you don't know the facts, the Supreme Court took up Texas's case after an appeals court issued a temporary order in mid-no-December to limit the Biden administration's ability to cut wire along the border. Now that's coming from the New York Times. Admiral Kirby... Then reiterated the DHS argument about Border Patrol needing access to the border entries so they could do their jobs. He argued more Border Patrol agents are needed to combat illegal immigration, cited the administration's proposed national security supplemental to allocate funding for more Border Patrol personnel. Kirby said, We want to help them do their jobs, we want to give them more resources. And the answer we keep getting back from House Republicans is no, no, no. Does razor wire work? Ducey asked him. Does razor wire work for what? Kirby said. Does it work for Border Patrol to allow them to have the access they need to be able to better process people that are trying to get across the border? I don't think so. And that's why we ask for it to be removed. But what is the president's plan? This is where we keep going. What are they going to do? This is happening weeks after 300,000 people came here from the southern border illegally. The razor wire, the official think, was keeping some of them out, and you guys just sued and won to remove it. Kirby, he argued that Biden is planning to put forward immigration reform add additional resources at the border and collaborate with Mexican officials to mitigate the number of migrants reaching the U.S. He then urged House Republicans to pass the National Security Supplemental Request. Now, everything they asked for, (laughs) every single thing, they already have been allocated money to do that, and they won't immediately They want millions of more dollars, and they say it's to hire more Border Patrol agents. And I'll ask that question again. When we were just at the top of the show, we talked about this segment of this. You heard from House Speaker Mike Johnson after Corrine Jean-Pierre came out and said this. They want more money. The House, honestly... I think even though there's only a two-seat majority for the Republicans there, I would be shocked if there is not major put pushback on the White House by Republicans in the House of Representatives on this new budget that is being created. They passed a continuing resolution, so they now have till March. That's two more, two and a half more months. I'll be shocked if this... House GOP gives in and gives them more money. And I will tell you this, if they do, they better know this one thing. There are millions of Americans out there that will vote against them this November if they don't find some way, even if it's just using the law. See, the problem is... The executive branch of our government is the only branch constitutionally authorized to take care of our southern border, everything in every part of it. Amy Conant Barrett, the justice that declined to allow Texas to keep that razor wire up there, I'll bet you when the folder comes out that has that particular determination they made that resulted in letting Biden come cut that razor wire, you're going to find out that that's what she went to. And she believes the federal government is the only entity that has the ability to do that because it's the border. The border is controlled and operated strictly and exclusively by the United States government. I don't like that. I don't think that should be right. I think the overarching reason To allow Texas to do that is because of the criminality that the federal government is perpetrating every day. And probably it's going to take somebody to file something in the legal system in the federal government that says that, that makes it clear the reason is refusal by the President of the United States and all those that work with him and for him, they refuse to adhere to the rule of law. Just thought I'd bring that out. Moving forward, New Jersey has taken some action. I don't know if you've heard about this, but they banned retailers in the state, across the state, from providing single-use plastic bags to customers back in 2022. This, and it's backfiring on them. But this is kind of trivial, I think. But this is all this environmental crap. Plastic consumption in New Jersey spiked by nearly three times following the state's implementation of that ban, and they're banning those single-use little plastic shopping bags. Following New Jersey's ban of those bags, the shift from plastic to alternative bags resulted in a nearly three times increase in plastic consumption bags. Think about that. New Jersey implemented that ban on single-use plastic bags back in 2022. It's the strictest ban on bags in the nation at the time. They build it as an effort to cut back on the plastic, one-use bags piling up in landfills. Plastic bags are one of the most problematic forms of garbage, leading to millions of discarded bags that stream annually into our landfills, rivers, and oceans. That's Governor Phil Murphy after he signed that legislation in 2020 that authorized this to happen. With today's historical bill signing, we are addressing the problem of plastic pollution head-on with solutions that will help mitigate climate change, strengthen our environment for future generations. Well, the ban took effect May of 22, forbidding the big stores, large retail grocery and food service stores, from providing single-use plastic bags to customers. Instead, shoppers may purchase reusable bags made of woven and non-woven polypropylene plastic or can bring their previously purchased reusable bags to the store. Now, we here in Louisiana, every place we go, every store we go to, they've got the plastic bags. Marianne, my wife, long ago, she started keeping a fleet of those reusable bags And we have tons of it. And I do a lot of the grocery shopping. (laughs) And every time I go, I forget to put several of those reusable bags in my car. And so what do I do? When I go to the store, (laughs) I use the little plastic bags. This whole process didn't take long until shoppers started airing their grievances to local media. What is their grievance? The reusable bags were stacking up in their homes because of their repeatedly purchasing reusable bags at the grocery store or because of home grocery delivery services using new reusable bags, each drop-off. Now, this is in New Jersey. This should tell you a lot about how things (laughs) are run in New Jersey. Some of the Garden State lawmakers, they began to see that the issues of shoppers not reusing those bags and simply throwing them out, floating proposed amendments that have since apparently stalled, like requiring home delivery services, requiring them to use cardboard boxes or paper bags instead of the heavy reusable plastic bags. Now, we all lived through that cycle. I'll never forget the times that we had those brown paper bags. And when we got home, we folded them up so mom could use them again. But they still ended up, if you didn't burn them or whatever, tear them up or whatever, even if you do that, you're going to throw them away. They're going to end up in the trash. The only thing that would be different is their paper, not plastic. So instead of this having the intended impact on our environment, the reusable bag ban has backfired. This is coming from reported data in a New Jersey study. Plastic consumption in the state has nearly tripled with New Jerseyans previously consuming 53 million pounds of plastic before the ban compared to this, listen to this, 151 million pounds following the ban. 53 million to 151 million. Reusable bags made of non-woven polypropylene are much thicker than the typical single-use plastic bags typically found at grocery and convenience stores, using roughly 15 times the amount of plastic. Though the bags are built for repeated shopping trips, most New Jerseyans only reuse the bags two to three times before they're discarded. Six times more woven and non-woven polypropylene plastic was consumed to produce these reusable bags sold to consumers and as an alternative. Most of those alternative bags are made with that stuff, which is not widely recycled here in the United States, does not typically contain any post-consumer recycling materials. This shift in material also meant a notable environmental impact it made with the increased consumption of those polypropylene bags contributing to a 500% increase and the greenhouse gas emissions in New Jersey compared to non-woven polypropylene bag production in 2015. What does all this stuff tell you? It just makes it very clear. This green energy stuff, if it's going to have a real objective about making our environment better, reducing the amount of carbon gas, and therefore carbon gas stuff and what it does to the united states and the rest of the world what it proves is most of this crap they're shoving down our throats is not real it's a pipe dream there's no science that weighs in that says it's 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 real there's none so what are we supposed to do as americans the only way we can get out of this debacle you know what it is we have to elect people that will literally go to the science, support the science, the people that are really scientists. Nobody has a political dollar bill or even a job gig weighing in, but just find the facts and then go to your lawmakers in your town, your state, or even in Congress, or the Senate for your state, and just tell them enough, is enough. We got to stop this crud. Yeah, we believe in environmental cleaning. We need to continue that. They don't want to talk. The left doesn't want to talk about. The climate activists don't want to talk about the fact that the United States, every year in this century, have decreased our carbon emissions than they were the year before. 23 years. No other country on earth has done that, but in this screaming mob of people that want us to go to all green energy. They don't want to get the real information and weigh in on it. They want their political policy to be the precedent on what we determine we're going to do that is going to impact our climate. We're pretty darn good right now. We're way better than we were before, but that's not good enough. But you know what the real reason is? It's the same thing as COVID-19 and how they treated it and told us to do and then went backwards and told us don't do that anymore and they kept us on that cycle for two years. Millions of people died around the world because of all of these crazy policies and then they come back now and they're giving us the facts about all of that. This is just another case like that and I laugh about it but it's really not funny. It's impacting all of us, and it will continue to do so as long as these people are allowed to remain in our government because they're clamping down to all of the industries in the private sector, and they're doing it with these egregious regulations that nobody can live under and make a dime, and so what are they doing? They're shipping this overseas, where we absolutely have no control of what goes into the process of manufacturing, creating. All of those things are out of our hands. But you know why it's done? Money, money, money. So after we get started in the election primaries, everybody begins to talk about who's going to be the number two and there's been speculation abundant over the last months. I can name you probably 20 different people that have been credible, possible, even probable picks for Donald Trump to run as vice president. Megan Kelly yesterday, she weighed on this. Listen to what Megan had to say.
6: I think it's a woman, she's from the South, and I think it's somebody who, um, she could potentially be the future of the party, and I also think it's somebody who would do what he wanted her to do, and someone who would pose no threat along the lines you just said. Somebody who would not challenge Trump, who would do what Trump wanted, but would pose zero threat to him along the lines of the ones you just outlined. So there's, and it's not Sarah Huckabee Sanders, which is what a lot of people think based on. So I don't don't know why I'm not telling, but I'm not telling.
0: I don't know of another well-known political person in the South that fits that bill. And she said very plainly, she knows who it is. Additional question for me of that is, how the heck does she know? Hmm, that's a good one. Have you kept up with what's going on over in Georgia? It's just another chapter of go get Trump. Think about Trump and those indictments, all those indictments, but not just Trump, but all the people that were around him that have been indicted. Three or four of them have pled guilty, pled guilty not because they were wrong, but they'd spent so much money defending themselves, they didn't have enough money to go all the way through the uh, legal process on this. So they just pled guilty, cut a deal, and moved down the road. Donald Trump, he's one of those that didn't. So he gets indicted by this district attorney named, it's Fani, we are told, but we originally, at the beginning of this, we called her Fannie, F-A-N-I, Fannie Willis. And a special prosecutor she appointed to head her President Trump's 2020 election interference case, they've created a whirlwind of controversy around her and the historic prosecution of this president. The explosive claims surfaced earlier this month in court filings, by an ex-Trump 2020 campaign operative who happens to be a co-defendant in this case who tells us that the purported relationship between the DA and the special prosecutor Nathan Wade renders the sweeping racketeering indictment fatally defective. This defendant's name is Michael Roman. He asked a Georgia judge to disqualify the DA And made in the district attorney's office from prosecuting the case and for the charges against him to be dropped, this is when it went public. And it's been hot every day. Trump's furious allies have latched on to Willis and Wade's alleged romance as evidence of prosecutorial misconduct. The special prosecutor's wife also raised the accusation in their ongoing divorce proceedings – in which Willis is fighting being disposed, deposed. The court wants her to come in and depose her. She's fighting having to come do that deposition. But despite the political firestorm in the last few weeks, this affair allegation will likely have little impact on the case itself, particularly because there are no laws in place that would require Willis or Wade to step back from the case. What it does, the obvious is what it does. It allows everybody that is under indictment there, when they get to the nuts and bolts of their case, it gives them a very, very wide-open opportunity to use that in their case, arguing their case. Now, Wade, what's he about? He joined the DA's office's Trump prosecution in 2021 after... The DA had already asked several other lawyers to consider the job. In a 2022 New York Times interview, she admitted that Wade wasn't her first choice. And there's a reason why. This news came out later on. He's never handled a case like this in his history. Before this all happened, Wade ran a private practice that's focused on family law and contract disputes. Previously served as a municipal judge. A lot of people in politics, a lot of attorneys in politics, they make their way up through the ranks, and part of that process of getting up to the top of their career is doing municipal judgeships. Critics pointed to his relatively little experience with complex criminal prosecutions Doing that as he helps lead the winding racketeering case against the former president and a slew of allies accused of trying to overturn the 2020 election results in Georgia, change them in Trump's favor. Roman's motion asserts that Willis and Wade's improper clandestine personal relationship, it began before the DA's office began investigating Trump, and before Wade was appointed a special prosecutor. It also states Willis profited off Wade's appointment because he paid for their travel to some really big-shot, big-time, traditional vacation destinations. So in court filings last week, lawyers for his ex-wife, Jocelyn Wade, the special prosecutor's wife, accused Wade of buying personal flights for he and Willis while the district attorney's office was investigating Trump's efforts to overturn Georgia's election results. So this is like two or three different bad things that are linked together that are purported, and those who the fingers are all pointed to, they're doing everything they can to get out of it. So the documents that she's using, this former wife, include bank statements that show flights to San Francisco and Miami in both of their names, Fanny and her ex-husband. Willis got a subpoena to testify in the divorce case the same day that Roman's motion surfaced the affair allegations, though a judge Monday of this week temporarily paused her deposition until Wade is questioned later this month. Neither Willis nor Wade have addressed the allegations head-on, though Willis did seem to defend Wade's qualifications during an Atlanta church service earlier this month. Norman Eisen, a special counsel to the House Judiciary Committee during Trump's first impeachment, and an ally of Willis, called for Wade to bow out of the case Saturday. Alongside two other legal scholars, Eisen argued that there's no basis for disqualifying the pair, but that the affair allegation had become a distraction. So what does this all mean in the big thing about the Trump indictment and what's going to happen in that trial? This could be easily turned into a 100% dismissal of the entire case. And if that should happen, it wouldn't impact just Donald Trump, but the dozen plus defendants many of which have already been facing and therefore spending a whole lot of money defending themselves against these chargers. And this probably won't get resolved and it will definitely hold up the life of the case. Now remember, this case, this trial on this thing is supposed to happen this spring. And if there are any changes made Anybody in any level of this prosecution, if these lawyers change or people that work for them, there will be absolutely certain motions filed to dismiss the entire trial. And wouldn't that be something? Well, the Republicans' brilliant move may have just put Biden in a corner. What are we talking about? There are so many, different, there are so many big different things going on. You can't point to them and be specific sometimes because they're so plentiful. They're so plentiful. The Biden system is open. There's no question about it. Joe Biden is in a corner now because people like Mike Johnson, the House Speaker, and other very plugged-in members of the House caucus, Republican caucus, they are now ratcheting down on the dollars and cents that is being demanded by Joe Biden to just simply follow the law. And because of that, Everything has changed in the judicial and the legislative process in Washington. Because of Joe Biden, nobody can get any leverage to get anything done. Because everybody, this is a quid pro quo process doing legislation. It simply is. It would be wonderful if they would just go back to the era, probably 10, 15, for sure 20 years before and even before that, called regular process, where every piece of legislation that comes in, it's, it just comes as it is. It's not a 17, page bill that much of the bill and its uh, stuff that's inside of it, it refers to other bills, and it doesn't give the details of the other bill. It just gives the bill and its number and its date And so if you've got a 1,700-page document in front of you and you can't just read it, which is bad enough, but as you read it, it sends you to sources and you have to go look those sources up and figure out how they're tied together. They don't do that. They didn't do that previously. They do it now, and it's purposeful to keep legislators from being able to take the time to dig and find out what's really in these bills. And it looks like It's coming to a head in this administration that legislators, especially GOP, almost exclusively GOP legislators, are telling the White House, enough is enough. We've got to do this and do it in the right way. We are no longer going to bow to the White House and just sign a bill, hope it's a good one, and let it become law. We're not going to do that anymore. This has become just absolute process entirely during the Biden administration. Pierce Morgan, we got to go get a Brit, somebody from another country, to talk about what's going on in Biden's life and how it's impacting us. This is a member of the media from a foreign country talking about our president, Joe Biden.
7: Whether we monarchist Brits like to admit it or not, The president of the United States is the single most important person in the world, commanding the world's mightiest military and holding the purse strings of its biggest economy. The president could end Israel's war in Gaza with a phone call or decide if Ukraine gets the backing it needs to beat Putin. At least that's the general idea. But the current commander-in-chief is 81, seemingly going on... 181, after a lifetime of distinguished public service as a pragmatic politician, and in my view a thoroughly decent human being, President Biden it looks increasingly unfit for service. And with the president's invisible decline, his re-election campaign is well, transitioning. You might say its pronouns are changing before our very eyes. The two most important women in President Biden's life have been sent out to jumpstart the 2024 race. Wildly unpopular VP Kamala Harris said this... We've got 10 months to go until the
3: election. Mm -hmm. And increasingly, and you've seen it even just this week, um, we are all starting to narrow in on what this election will mean. And it's gonna be the choice between what is about respecting our democracy, what is about competence versus chaos.
7: Well, the vice president is right. Competence is crucially important. But her own boss has trouble getting up the stairs and can't seem to find a way off a stage. His frequent verbal and physical stumbles are the subject of both comedy and concern. Most people responded with laughter and derision, for example, when First Lady Jill Biden said this about him.
0: I see Joe every day. I see him out... You know, travelling around this country, I see his vigour, I see his energy. To those who say, I can't vote for Joe Biden, he's too old, what do you say? I say his age is an asset.
7: Hmm. Energy and vigour. Not quite what I'm seeing. You can make a plausible case for the wise old statesman, with a firm hand on tiller, but campaigning on Biden's vigour may well fast-track Donald Trump, who does have a lot of vigour, to the White House. Now, 77, Trump's no spring chicken himself, but with his diet-defying swagger and showmanship, most people, on his side,
4: seem to be believing him when he says things like this. I feel like I'm about 35 years old. I actually feel better now than I did 30 years ago. Tell me, is that crazy? I feel better now. And I think cognitively I'm better than I was 20 years ago. I don't know why.
7: That is a slightly more debatable subject, uh, Mr Trump, but a whopping 77% of Americans, both Republican and Democrats, believe that Biden is simply too old to run the country. Almost 70% think he's mismanaged a crisis at the southern border. Just 13% say they're financially better off on his watch. At this stage of his term, he's the least popular US president in recorded history, and this stuff matters. U.S. politics is almost hysterically polarized to the rest of us outside America, but most voters are in fact ready to be persuaded. White working class voters ditched the Democrats to propel Trump to office in 2016. Now more and more Hispanic and black voters are shifting Republican too. Biden says he's the only man who's ever beaten Trump, and that's true. But right now, he may be the only one who can lose to Trump in November.
0: I don't think Democrats think much about that last segment that Pierce said Biden might be the only person that could lose to Donald Trump. Wow. Still, it's just amazing to me that Democrats and including this president, they refuse to look at facts. When polls come out that they think make them look good, they're all over the place. And when things come out that make their political leaders, including this president look bad They either try to flip the narrative or they won't even talk about it at all. That's one big difference between Democrats, not all of them, but most of them, and Republicans. Republicans, at least, typically will look at facts and take a little time to figure out if they're real or if they're not. Most of the time, not all the time, but at least some of the time, they're looking at finding information finding it to be true or not, and then actually making decisions. Sometimes life-changing decisions based on that stuff. But our commander-in-chief, as we all see, and it plays out before our very eyes every day, all, all the time, except for the days he's out of the office, which is at least averaging about three or four days a week. But nevertheless, Joe doesn't have the good there. Anymore when it comes to being capable of making the right choices and leading a nation of 340 million people. That's a wrap on the show today. Thanks, folks, for being here. We've got a couple of more days in this week. And you know, this is the United States of America. Joe Biden's in the White House. There's going to be new stuff to bring to you. We're on top of it all first every day. Thank you for being here. Have a good one. See you tomorrow at 9 a.m. Central.